Inspired by the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity, this podcast is about why I believe what I believe. Welcome to Bear Christianity. If a Jehovah's Witness knocked on your door today, what would you say to them? That's what this episode will be about. This is how I would approach that situation, and this is not my own strategy. I didn't come up with this. I've heard this from several different Christian teachers that I like to listen to, and so uh, we'll talk through some of the basics, and then actually next episode, I'm going to share a few more, um, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about here in a second. So um, one thing you got to get straight when someone knocks on your door and they're from any kind of religious group is who are you talking to? Now, the two most common possibilities would be the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. Mormons represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they actually prefer to be called Latter-day Saints, not Mormons. Um, and so they'll they'll typically be the Mormon missionaries are typically younger people, so around eighteen or nineteen years old. They volunteer for these um, mission, these two year missions around the world. Um, the the men, I believe, the ladies, it's still a one year mission, or maybe it's maybe it's a year and a half. I, f- I forget how long for the ladies, but um, the men, if if they come to your house, they'll be in a white shirt and tie, and they'll have a name tag. And it'll say elder so and so, and that's how they'll introduce themselves, elder whatever. All right, so that's that's the Mormons. Now we're not talking about them today, but you can't mix them up with Jehovah's Witnesses because their theology is different between the two groups. Jehovah's Witnesses will they'll they'll want to they'll talk a lot about the Bible, and they they may pass you some literature from the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So the Watchtower. Bible and Tract Society. That's sort of a buzz. Watchtower would be kind of like a buzzword for Jehovah's Witnesses. And so they'll, um, they may pass out some information on that, and they would love to set up a time to come back and do a more in-depth Bible study with you. So the one of the first Jehovah's Witnesses that I had a chance to really interact with was a young man. He was maybe 20 at the time, and this was this was maybe four or five years ago now. But he came to the office. This was he was my first appointment on a Friday morning and and he was dressed in a suit and tie. And so I got, you know, hey, what you got going on today? Big day for you, whatever. And uh, he said he said, I'm going to I have a lot of Bible studies at different people's houses all day. And I'm like, Wow, wow, that's awesome, you know. But then we started talking and and I quickly found out that he's a Jehovah's Witness. So I uh I, I asked him if he would have lunch with me and and we set that up. And so we had lunch a couple of different times, uh, have texted back and forth a little bit. Uh, he now works at like Jehovah's Witnesses, one of their like headquarters. So he's a big timer in Jehovah's Witness world. And um a, a very impressive young man. He took every single Friday off to go door to door and and witness. So, he um so most Jehovah's Witnesses are very dedicated. If they're standing at your front door, they have spent hours and hours and hours preparing to talk to you. So, you've got to be aware of that. You're not, you know, it, it's it, well, of course God can work however he chooses, but very likely you're not just going to, you know, quote a few verses and then they just, you know, throw up their hands and say, oh, I was completely wrong, and, you know, I, I repent and, and and follow the Lord that you're talking about. So you've, you've got to be prepared and know that they are preparing a lot to talk to you. 
So this is this today's episode is how I would handle that initial situation, and and then hopefully you can get you you have more time to talk to that person. All right. So if you have questions for me, you can always email me bearchristianity at gmail I'm on Instagram at the real bear Martin, and I'm on Twitter at bear for. Christos. So we're going to jump right into it today. Jehovah's Witness basic theology, their theme verse is Isaiah 43.10. It says this, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Now, when it says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that word Lord there in all caps is the same word for Jehovah or Yahweh. And then sometimes it's called the Tetragrammaton, and that's a four-letter abbreviation from Hebrew. So the Tetragrammaton, Lord in all caps in the Old Testament, Jehovah, and Yahweh are all referring to the same thing, okay? So Jehovah's Witnesses are Unitarians. As a Christian, I am a Trinitarian, a tri meaning three, so that's where we get one God in three persons, Trinitarian. Now, what's very important to distinguish here is Trinitarians are monotheist. We believe that there is only one God, but within the one being of God, there exists three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Trinitarians are monotheist, but we are Trinitarian. For Jehovah's Witnesses, they are monotheist. They believe that there is only one true God, but they are Unitarian. So they reject the idea of three persons making up the one being of God. Uh, they they reject the Jesus and the Holy Spirit being truly divine in the same way that God the Father is divine. So they the, the easiest way to think about it, if you're a Trinitarian and you're thinking about the three persons of the Trinity, basically Jehovah's Witnesses believe God the Father equals Jehovah, but then everything else is a created being. So Jehovah, God the Father, uh, okay, exists, and then he... He's eternal. He creates Jesus. Jesus is his first and greatest creation, and then through Jesus creates the rest of the universe. And so this is how they they kind of will get around. They'll say, oh, yeah, Jesus is creator, um, but they don't mean it in the same way that we mean it. Jesus, to them, created all other things, not all things. And so that's that's a that's something you have to understand about what Jehovah's Witnesses believe about Jesus. Now, as far as the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit for a Jehovah's Witness is is an impersonal force, like an energy force. Um, it doesn't. The Holy Spirit doesn't have person uh, personhood to them. Um, so, Mark one eight. Let me read it out of their translation. It's the New World Translation. Is the translation of of, Je- of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's a terrible translation, but um, anyway, let me read a verse for you, and you'll get a sense of what they how they feel about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, uh, or excuse me, John the Baptist says this about Jesus. It's a popular verse. Mark one eight. I baptized you with water, but He, that is Jesus, will baptize you with Holy Spirit. So you see, in most English translations, that is going to say, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
but to them because the the Holy Spirit is is not personal it's more of an of an energy force it's like you know you get water poured on you you can get the holy spirit or or holy spirit poured on you you don't say um that i got the water poured on me you say i got water poured on me so there it's very impersonal on the website jw.org that's their official website and by the way their website is well done and also they have a great app that gives you a lot of information about what they believe but um in an article called what is the holy spirit it says this quote the holy spirit is god's power in action his active force god sends out his spirit by projecting his energy to any place to accomplish his will so that's what they believe about the holy spirit so basically, Jesus is created, not eternal, and then Jesus created all other things. Um, this leads us to the very popular um, debate between Christians and Jehovah's Witnesses about the proper translation of John 1.1. So in the New World Translation, their translation, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and then here's the difference, and the Word was a God, little g, a God. Um, so so that's how they'll translate that verse, okay? So the first thing that I want to do in in talking with the Jehovah's Witness is to get them thinking um, because they they've they've prepared so much that a lot of this is like automatic. they they go door to door all the time. They kind of know what they're going to say in a lot of different situations. So I want to give them a little something different. Um, they, I would not start with John 1 1 and try to argue that it should be, and the word was God, not a God. And because that that's just going to be a memorized response from them. They are not thinking at that point. They are just reacting to the, a situation that they've encountered over and over and over again. Um, James White has a funny story about this. He was talking with a Jehovah's Witness lady, and he he teaches biblical Greek. And but this lady is like using all these technical arguments for why the John one should John one one should be translated the way Jehovah's Witnesses translate it, and so she's she's using all this Greek terminology, and he had a Greek New Testament with him, and he handed it to her and said, "Can you show me a Greek article, which is the the main point of the argument, how that article should be translated, or or the article's not there, and so how it should be translated anyway." He said, "Could you show me a Greek article?" And she was she was holding the Bible upside down. She didn't. She had no clue how to read Greek, but she had this highly technical argument memorized, um, so so that she could use it against uh, Christians. And so you're getting nowhere when you start arguing about John one one. So just avoid that. You can come back to it later as you discuss it more. And and I'm going to go through that whole argument eventually in a, a different episode. But you you want to avoid that, and you just want to get them thinking. Greg Kokel has a a great book called Tactics. When talking with non-Christians, you want to ask some questions, and you want to get them thinking. You want to put a pebble in their shoe, I think is the illustration he uses, where you know every step they take after they leave your house, there it's just there's something that bothers them about what you said. Now, you want to do all this in a loving way. Um, I've heard Christians brag before about how a Jehovah's Witness came to my door, and I I opened that door and I shouted out some verses and I slammed that door right in their face. I mean, that is ridiculous. That that gets nowhere. So you want to be nice to these people, and you want to try to get on the. I try to get on the same page with them, and I usually do it this way. I'll say 
I'll acknowledge that, hey, there's some big differences in what we believe, but but here's my goal in my life. I want to worship the true God of the Bible. And so whatever the Bible says, that's what I want to be committed to. And so if I'm wrong about that, then I want to be willing to change because I, I trust the, that the Bible is God's word. And Jehovah's Witnesses will unite with that. And so, you know, you I can say that, and then it's like, okay, let's go to the Bible and, and see what it has to say. So that's kind of how I bridge that gap and almost, you know, develop a, a little bit of a relationship with them. Like, hey, we're, in a way, we're on the same team because I want to know the truth of what God's Word says. Um, and so let's let's debate about that, all right? So there are tons of verses, but here's the basic strategy that I use, and, and lots of other people use this as well. You want to take a verse in the Old Testament that is talking about Jehovah and show them that in the New Testament, that same quotation, that same verse is applied to Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Jehovah over and over again in the New Testament. And and that's one that's one of the main reasons that I am a Trinitarian, because as I read the Bible, there's no way around it. There are some verses that if you could just pick out a few verses, then you can definitely justify your belief in Unitarianism. But when you take the Bible as a whole and and put all the things together that it's saying, you're you're kind of stuck with the Trinity. And so that you know that's why I'm a Trinitarian. It's because of some of these verses. All right. And so so I always try to use their Bible. And you can find that at jw.org. You can read their Bible online, the New World Translation, or you can download the app on your phone or an iPad and um, and look at it there. So in Isaiah 40, this is what I would say. I'd say, can we look at some verses together? Um, because this is why I struggle to accept the Jehovah's Witness view about Jesus. That, that's sort of what I would say to them. And so I'd ask them to turn to Isaiah 40 and just give like a brief, you know, context here. Um, it, it's mentioning a prophecy of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah pronounces judgment on Israel for disobedience against Jehovah. But then Isaiah also is going to prophesy of a time when Jehovah is going to come and there's going to be forgiveness and healing in the land. And so Isaiah 40 is one of these uh, comforting prophecies about something that's going to happen in the future. So Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2 say this from the New World Translation, "'Comfort, comfort my people,' says your God. Speak to the heart of Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her compulsory service has been fulfilled, that her guilt has been paid off. From the hand of Jehovah she has received a full amount for all her sins.'" A voice of one calling out in the wilderness, clear up the way of Jehovah, make a straight highway through the desert for our God. So the last part there should sound vaguely familiar. Again, the New World Translation is is pretty terrible. It says, clear up the way of Jehovah. I, you know, most of the time we hear that is prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the way of Jehovah. And so that's that's the quote there. That's the prophecy from Isaiah that eventually one is going to come proclaim out of the wilderness proclaiming prepare the way of Jehovah now all four gospels mention this about John the Baptist but i think the strongest one um you could use any of the four gospels but in Matthew 3 verses 1 through 3 it says this in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. 
This, in fact, is the one spoken of through Isaiah the prophet in these words, a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of Jehovah, make his road straight. So Matthew clearly says Isaiah the the prophet was speaking about John the Baptist. And who did John, John the Baptist, his messages, prepare the way of Jehovah. Now, who was John the Baptist preparing the way for? Specifically, he was preparing the way for Jesus. So Jesus here is identified by all four Gospels as Jehovah. And so that's, that's, that's the strategy there. I've taken an Old Testament passage about Jehovah, and, I, and I've, I've shown them that it is talking about Jesus specifically. Jesus is referred to as Jehovah. So sure, God the Father is referred to as Jehovah, the Holy Spirit is referred to as Jehovah, and Jesus is referred to as Jehovah. There's only one Jehovah, but the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all referred to biblically as Jehovah. So how do we how do we make sense of all that? That's where we get the Trinity. That's the basics for the biblical belief in the Trinity. And that's what you're trying to get across to this Jehovah's Witness. And so in you're kind of challenging them to like, okay, in your view, how does how do you reconcile these verses? Okay? So that's the basic strategy. Here's another example. Um, in, in Psalm 102, uh, the, the main verses are Psalm 102, 25 through 27. But just to establish that the, the psalmist here is referring to Jehovah, you can just read the very first verse, Psalm 102, 1. Old Jehovah, hear my prayer. Let my cry for my people reach you. So that's the beginning of the psalm. And so the rest of this psalm is the psalmist speaking to Jehovah. Now, the main verses, Psalm 102, 25 through 27, again, in the New World Translation, it says, Long ago, you, this is talking about Jehovah, you, Jehovah, laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. Just like a garment, they will all wear out. Just like clothing, you will replace them, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years will never end. So here, it's clearly identifying that Jehovah is eternal. Everything else will pass away, everything else wears down, but Jehovah is the same. In order to be the same, always the same, no matter what, you have to be eternal. And so Jehovah is the only one who is the same. Everything else, their their years will end, they they will pass away, okay? Now, in Hebrews 1... That's where these verses are going to be quoted, but it's going to be talking about Jesus. So the way to establish this is Hebrews 1.8. There's going to be the next several verses are going to be different quotes referring to Jesus. Hebrews 1.8 starts out, but about the Son, talking about Jesus, but about the Son, he says, and then the rest of verse 8 and 9 are a quote from Psalm 45. You could look at this yourself, and there's a a way to, to do this same strategy with that. But I think the the stronger one is verses 10 through 12. So in Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, if you just read it, this is still clearly a quotation about the Son. 
And it's a and it's a direct quotation from what we just read in Psalm. So it says this, Hebrews 1, 10 through 12, at the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. And just like a garment, they will all wear out and you will wrap them up just as a cloak, as a garment, and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will never come to an end. So a Jehovah's Witness may say, well, you know, the, because um, Jehovah is the creator, but he created Jesus, who then he used to create everything else, the same, you know, Jesus laid the foundations of the earth, but Jehovah ultimately laid the foundations of the earth. That, that may be how they go with that. Um, so what you have to stress here is that this is talking about Jehovah is eternal, how can it how can this verse be talking about eternality and refer to Jesus who they say was a created being? And so the eternal aspect of that is what you want to try to draw out. That's where the strength of this passage is uh, can be used. All right? So, next week I'm going to talk about two other examples. And so if you if you take these and really work them through and and just get them smooth and clear in your head, make some, you know, make some little quick hand notes in your Bible, um, maybe in the front of the Bible or whatever. When a Jehovah's Witness knocks on the door, you don't want to be fumbling around. Um, you you want to kind of have a few of these. And what it's going to do is it's going to buy you some time to study more specifically on a topic that they're trying to discuss with you. So I've used this five different times, this strategy. I've used this five different times, and never has a Jehovah's Witness given me a direct answer. It, they've always, you know, they they've read over the passage several times, and you can tell they're they're the wheels are turning, and that's what you want. You just want them to be thinking that you don't want them to be on autopilot, responding to the same old arguments that they hear from people when they knock on doors. And so, as they're thinking, that's the time for you to say, "Hey, listen, I, I, this is probably something that you." Uh, may not have seen before. And so here's my phone number, here's my email or whatever. Let's get together for some lunch or you know whatever. And then that that gives you some time to prepare more. Now, they may have some information to give to you. It is not I mean obviously it's false teaching material, but take it as, you know with friendly, okay? Just just take that and read it. Know it front and back because that is you know you you want to know you want to read what they're giving you so that you know how to better communicate with them and and talk about okay this is a you know I I you I read this pamphlet you gave me and this you know here I don't think agrees with the bible and here's where so that's where you really have to start studying um because if you're going to have you know an hour discussion over lunch then you need to know your stuff because they certainly do and so that that just gives you an opportunity to kind of get them thinking and then set up a future date to to talk more with them. All right. Um, so next week we'll talk about two other examples, and then I also want to do an episode on John one one and why you know why I believe the the correct translation is the word was God, not a God. And so and that'll that'll help you out if that conversation ever comes up. But you don't want to start with that because they're, again, they're on autopilot at that point. So our closing verse is a little teaser for next week. It's John 12, 41. And of course, John is in the New Testament, uh, but it says this, John 12, 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. 